You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. It is August 18, 2022. My name is Matt McSweeney, and this is the Hot Take Hot Box. Thank you, as always, for joining me, your favorite Philadelphia sports podcast and your favorite person to ever listen to come through your airwaves. That would be me, and we are going to get into everything in the Philadelphia sports world that we can here in in the dog days of the summer. Football season is right around the corner. We are three weeks today from the opening of the NFL season. We have some. We still obviously have the Phillies rolling along in the pursuit for their first playoff berth since 2011. Red October is still a very real possibility, and it is still a very real dream to dream, and we will continue to dream that dream until they tell us that we should not dream that dream. So, let's get into the games from the past week before we move on to what's upcoming in the next week like we always do. Uh, we'll discuss a little bit about the Eagles preseason game and uh, whatever sports information and news and notes. And Deshaun Watson just got his uh, suspension extended. We'll try to discuss as much as we possibly can here on today's episode. So, Phil's Marlins, after the National Series, they come out, they sweep the Nats. Marlins come to town, Wheeler on the mound to begin the series. Easy 4 1 uh, victory. Really, not much uh, news and notes from this one. It was pretty just much a, a, a pitch a dominant pitching performance. Phils were up early and the, the game was tied at a certain point, but then they got the lead right back the next inning. JT had two RBIs in this game, homers from Segura and him. Uh, you know, Boehm continued continued his little hot streak, and then you know they move on the next day. Phils take care of business again. This was a much closer game, a game where the Phils were actually down three one. Uh, Sandy Alcantara was pitching, obviously one of the best pitchers in the league, easily the Marlins' best pitcher. It's been dominant all season long. You you talk about a guy you really don't want to see a 193 ERA, 11 and five. You really can't let a win loss record dictate because it is not his fault that this team can't get him runs when he has a a sub two ERA. Three complete games, he's thrown a shutout. He's Already had 173 innings a season, 152 Ks. I mean, you could just go on and on and talk about it. that guy. Probably should be the Cy Young. I don't know if he's going to win it or what the what the odds will tell you, but he's one of the, he's arguably the best pitcher in the National League and in the league as a whole. So, I mean, you look at any metric, or I think there's a ESPN has a Cy Young predictor, which you know, God bless, but. They have him second, uh, Alcantara, that is, behind Tony Gonsolin from the Dodgers. So, I mean, and you look at his numbers. He has 50 less innings, but he's 15-1 and one with a 2-1-2 ERA. So, I mean, the win-loss record, much better. But you'd argue that Alcantara has better raw numbers than, um, and especially so many more innings. I mean, he has 37 earned runs. Gonsolin has 29. You could go tit-for-tat with all these different numbers. But I guess... You know, at the end of the day, we're not really here to discuss the Cy Young. We are here to discuss the Phils. So he goes deep into that eighth inning, and they have to eventually, they the Phillies eventually get to him in that eighth inning. And for a team who is 
but primarily known for the long ball and a team that relies on the home run quite consistently. This was a pleasant surprise, especially a game you're down, seems like you're dead in the water, facing a pitcher who you haven't been able to get to all night. Segura leads the inning off with a infield single. Stott moves, you know, hits another single, so it's first and second now. Marsh hits one right up the middle, scores a run, so now it's 3-2. Schwarber comes in and smokes one down the, down the I believe, opposite. No, no, he, he roped it right down the right field line. Uh, so that scores another run, so it's a tie game. And now, you know, Hoskins comes up, he lines out to the shortstop, and then Alec Bohm comes in. He moves Schwarber to third base from first. And then JT comes up with a single down the left field line. All, what's that? One, two, three, four, five, six singles in the inning. And that gives you the 4-3 lead. You go to Sir Anthony in the ninth. He comes in, strikeout, ground out, strikeout. Thanks for coming. Phil's get out of it. Sir Anthony, absolutely dominant in, in this performance. And the fa- that was one of the best, you know, that's easily the best Phil's win from this uh, stretch of games that we're going to speak about because it was just another example of when they were down and the chips were down and they didn't, they didn't, qu- they didn't quit, they didn't give up, they kept fighting, and it actually turned out to go their way. The next day... They never, they didn't necessarily quit. They didn't give up, but it just things did not shake out their way throughout the whole game. Uh, I mean, I was at this game. I remember the disappointment very uh, vividly. But it, it's at the end of the day, it's uh, a, ga- a seven-game win streak that came to an end. It's not the end of the world. It always feels worse when he you, when you're in the building. Uh, you know, a couple of uh, miscues uh, out in the field. I mean, Segura had an error. Uh, with uh, dropping a fly ball uh, that was up in the sun, he just got it got lost up there for him, and uh, the Phils were just never able to get any runs. They had the bases loaded with no outs in the ninth, and they weren't really able to do much. A couple strikeouts and then a pop up, and it was just, just uh, you know they continued to fight, but it's just one of those situations where it didn't work out, and, and you can't you know you can't have a mental breakdown or a meltdown over it. You would love to have won the game, but. You can't, you know, it sounds so cliche and corny, but you can't win them all. They did not hit well. The pitcher, did, the pitcher, I believe, Ed, Edward Cabrera, uh, Edward Cabrera, he went five and two thirds, and I, I was happy to get him out of there because it seemed like he was dealing. Phils couldn't get much off of him throughout the throughout the whole game. I mean, uh, I'm trying to get his stats up real quick just to see what uh, was going on. I mean, he only gave up three hits, six Ks. Two walks. I mean, threw a lot of pitches in those innings, so that's why he they had to get him out of there. But even when they went to the bullpen, there was just a lot of strikeouts. That's six, three, three. I mean, it's thirteen strikeouts for the for the Marlins. Uh, that that's not that's not a winning uh, a winning uh, formula right there, and, and not what you want to see. The Phils really doesn't seem like they've played well in these day games and have not really batted well. Uh, at all in these games, it seems like they're the, the bats have gone cold. I mean, that's especially true for these this game and the next game uh, day game. I'm going to talk about next two day games. I'm going to talk about it. Just I don't know what what if they're they're all boozed up from the night before. I don't know I don't know what the boys are doing, but it just doesn't seem like they're up and ready to go by the time these twelve thirty one o'clock games start. And it's killed them in a few of these situations. So the Phils they win two or three here against the Marlins. Win the series. You can't really. Cry over spilled milk here. Phils then go to New York. Huge Mets series on Friday night. You got Suarez pitching against Max Scherzer. 
Uh, you were obviously going to face the three best pitchers from the uh, Mets with DeGrom, Scherzer, and uh, Chris Bassett. Phils didn't exactly not hit the ball or get shut out necessarily. I mean, they had 10 hits overall throughout the game, but they were not able to scratch any runs across for a majority of this game other than, I mean, the first inning they got a run, and then they didn't score again until the 10th inning on a sack fly by Alec Bohm. Bohm had both RBIs in this game. Uh, Suarez was great. You get a good inning from Alvarado, Sir Anthony, and David Robertson was the pitchers of choice here in this game, uh, that being the bullpen, and they did great. They did, they did, did their job. Uh, it's just another example of going out and getting a David Robertson. This was a huge move, although I kind of said we didn't need it. It's a luxury, and you could always use other bullpen arms because you never, especially late in the season, and the more important that these games get, you're going to need these arms to shut the door, especially if you're able to get a lead, because it's not going to be seven, eight, nine runs that w- you know that we're going to score and we're going to blow these teams out in the playoffs. You know, if we plan on making it and competing in the playoffs, we're going to need these guys to come in and shut the door, and they did in this game. So the next day was Degrom versus Nola on Saturday night. Degrom goes six strong, only gives up two hits, ten Ks. Nola went eight. Only one earned run. Uh, this is the only run scored throughout the whole game. A Pete Alonso single that scored a run in the first inning, and that was it. Uh, DeGrom eventually passes it along to Edwin Diaz, who, you know, they, they, you got a little bit of Seth Lugo, Trevor May in there. Edwin Diaz comes in, walks a few guys, but gets himself out of a jam, and the Phils lose. one nothing. tough game, but again, you, you're going against... One of the best pitchers in the major leagues, whether he was out with injury or not, you could see as soon as he came back, his stuff is just as electric as it always was. And he is not an easy night out, but the disappointing thing is the Phils the next night, or the next afternoon, I should say, get blanked again. Uh, Wheeler did not pitch well in this game. He got hit around considerably, and not I wouldn't say hit around. He wasn't hit hard for large portions of this game. There was a lot of looping singles and sort of balls that just found their way through the hole, and it just was not not like he was getting home runs roped off him the entire game. He only gave up one home run the entire the entire game. I mean, a lot, a lot of these runs are scored off singles. He only walked one guy, so it was just kind of an unfortunate outing for a Wheeler. I didn't leave this saying, God, he got, he got absolutely ripped apart. But the Phils were not able to get the Bassett at all. Uh, I mean, we had, plenty, we had plenty of opportunities with guys on second and third, no outs. And hard of the lineup up where Real Muto and Castellanos would strike out. Uh, now, I don't want to put down Castellanos too much. I mean, he had two hits in this game. Stott, Hoskins, and Boehm all had a hit as well. There's a lot of, you know, I mean, the only guy who the only guys who didn't get a hit were Real Muto and Veerling. We had nine hits overall. We just couldn't get any runs. So, not exactly great. I'm not going to sit here and say that's good. You know, oh, wow. Like it's a moral victory or something, but at least you are getting hits. You're just not able to scratch these runs uh, across the plate and and get, you know, it's not good, but it's not the end of the world. It's better than the three hit performance the day before. Uh, The the Mets had 10 hits, six runs. We had nine hits, no runs. So it's, I don't think truly I left this Mets series thinking we're really not that far off of them. They they are a good team. They are a hot baseball team right now, but I don't think that they're that much better than us uh, in regards to if we were to see them in a series or 
a five-game NLDS sort of situation. I don't think that we're dead in the water. All right? I think we are very real chance to compete with them or maybe even, you know, give that take a couple games to maybe even beat them in a series. Like I don't view them as like wow, they are head and shoulders above and better than us. I mean, you can make that argument for the Dodgers and some of the other teams in the majors, but I, I just don't I really truly still don't believe the Mets are a team that's going to sweep us in a playoff series or or we're not going to give at least a little bit of trouble to. So after their trip to New York, the Phils headed out to Cincinnati for a three-game set with the lowly Cincinnati Reds, who are 46 and 70 now. But you get a good outing from Syndergaard on Monday night. Seven innings, three earned runs. He didn't give up a you know he didn't give up a second run until the eighth inning where they had to take him out. He was cruising along there for a while, and it's a very good thing to see from Syndergaard who. If you look at some of his recent performances from even before when they made the move for him and he was in Los Angeles, he hadn't gone seven innings since June, June 27th, and he went back-to-back. And he's only, I mean, he has a few of uh, seven-inning performances, but one, two, three, four, five in the 17 games started. So that's a good sign. I mean, it's a good sign that you get. Obviously, the Reds not uh, world beaters necessarily, but but it's a good sign, isn't it not? It's a, That's a good thing. We, we're, lo- we're looking for positives here on the Hot Take Hot Pox. We are not harping on the negative anymore, okay? It's not football season yet. That's what we do during football season. That's what we do during the Sixer season. During this Philly season... We're trying to turn the energy around. We're trying to get. We're talking about the fightings. We're, we're not. We're not playing around here. We're trying to get this team to October. That's the only focus right now on this podcast. That's all we care about. We want the Phillies to be playing serious, meaningful baseball at the end of September and in October. And as of now, it looks like they will. But we shall see. There's a lot. A lot of baseball left. A lot of season left. A lot can go wrong. A lot can go right. But we are hoping for things to go right. So. Phils start this game off down 0-2, though, uh, the, the Syndergaard. They gave up they gave up two runs in the second, and then the Phils were able to turn it right around. Castellanos said Mundo Sosa had three RBIs in this game, and obviously he gave up a home run at the end, but it did not matter because the Phils were able to close the door. Uh, they, I believe they went to Robertson and Dominguez again. It seems like those are the two guys that are the most trustworthy out of the bullpen uh, recently, and, and since the move for Robertson... It seems like that has been the go-to uh, pairing when you get seven innings out of your starter. So the next night, the Phils hit the cover off the baseball. You get six innings from Gibson, and it just didn't really matter, though. Uh, TJ Zuch, or Z- Z- however you want to say that man's name, it doesn't matter because he gave up six runs. This was the 10,000th victory for the Phils in their franchise's history, which we all remember, if you're if you're a longtime Phils fan, you remember how big of a deal it was when they lost their 10,000th game. And everyone acted like they were a horrific franchise and yada, yada, yada. But run it back now because we are, we are, we are in the five digits, okay? One, two, three, four, five. That's 10,000 for all you out there who are counting 10,000 victories for our Philadelphia Phillies. And how did they do it? With the, with the long ball in this game, all right? Derek Hall homer. Castellanos homer. I mean, Hoskins homer. That was a three-run bomb. Then you get a veerling sack fly. Hoskins homer. Stubbs homer. That This is just a uh, your prototypical 2022 Phillies victory where they just hit the shit out of the ball. 
and there's just no leave no prisoners. 11-4, easy win. Doesn't really matter how many runs we give up. We're just going to outscore them. And they did. They took care of business. And then the next day, they play a day game starting at around 12.30 in the afternoon. Ranger Suarez on the mound gives you another dominant seven-inning performance. Phils give him no runs. You go to Robertson and Dominguez. Sir Anthony not did not look good in this game. Velocity down, uh, I believe, four to three miles an hour. It, and they just, the the Reds got to him in that uh, ninth inning. It, it, it just, you know, he strikes out, he walks, strikes out, so he has two outs, and then a single left center and a single. And that, that spells the end for the Phils. But you really can't be upset and you can't blame this guy or that guy when you had nine innings to score a run and you didn't. And that's just not... Not, I mean, the, the, the pitcher for the Reds, I believe, what was his name, uh, Lodolo, went seven innings, eight Ks, uh, big, big lefty. He looked dominant in this performance. He's 6'6". He just absolutely was pumping 95, 96, felt like 100 coming out of his hand. Phil's had ex- really just nothing for him all day long. We only had five hits the whole day. And truly just another example of the Phil's not hitting well during the day and not having a good <laughs> good uh, day game. And it taking them too long to get going. And then in this game, they just frankly didn't get going at all. And it came back to bite them. So they lose a game to the Reds that, you know, you probably shouldn't lose. But again, you're not going to win every single game against these bad teams. At the very least, they are winning these series. They have made up plenty of ground by now to to the point where they are, you know, sitting in a playoff spot. So let's let's get into that since I'm, I segued myself here already. Phil's have a half game on the... Padres and they have two and a half games on the Brewers so they are sitting quite cleanly in a playoff spot right now but it is not something that you're going to hang your hat on or be happy about because you're going to have some games coming up here I mean obviously you have the Mets then the Reds come to town next week for a four game set which is a very doable slash winnable situation for us then the Pirates, then the Diamondbacks, okay? So basically you get through this Mets series, and, and, and it's a four-game set. So it's not, you know, you got a doubleheader on Saturday. It's not going to be a walk in the park, but uh, I'll at least win. I would hope to win two of these games. You just can't get, pretty much just can't get swept in this series. And like I, 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 like I said, I don't view the Mets like that, but the way the Phillies have been hitting the ball recently and now no Schwarber. I did forget to mention that uh, during the game I was at Schwarber pulled his calf or he, he had a right calf strain or left calf strain. One of his calves is hurt. So that's not that's obviously not a great situation while I look it up here. But, uh, I mean, he hasn't caused an IL stint yet. Uh, he's still on the active roster. He was able to get a pinch hit uh, in during the Cincinnati series, but it's his right calf. So, I mean, listen, it's good that he's not going to go to the IL. We need him back at a certain point, but it does suck that he can't really DH or, you know, because we then it takes Hall out of the lineup, and it's just we're kind of handcuffed with with the current situation of what's going on here because we don't, don't have Harper out there to man right field, and you could move Castellanos to left. And then put Schwarber in the DH and, and take the uh, stress and strain off of that injury where he has to not play the field. And he could kind of just take it easy, run the bags, and hit homers. And uh, you, you know, you understand what I'm saying. But it's it's 
kept him out for a few games. So, I mean, I guess we will see if he's going to be able to play on Friday night against the Mets. So we have Nola and Chris Bassett on Friday night. And then we have Wheeler, supposed to go the first game of the Saturday series. Says they have Bailey Falter in the, in the other game of the series. And then on Sunday, they have no listed uh, pitchers. So you can probably figure out who that's going to be. I imagine you'll see Syndergaard in one of these games. All these games being at home this weekend. Two day games, which is also not a good situation. But and then, like I said, the Reds for a four-game set. The Pirates for a three-game set. Then we have a three-game set at the Diamondbacks, at the Giants. Marlins, Nats, Marlins. So, you know, like for the next month, we have some extremely winnable games. And by the time the we head out west, we might have Bryce Harper with us because Bryce Harper's starting to hit uh, BP again. I saw him throwing. He's not going to be coming back in the field, which is, a, I think, a good situation or a good idea because I just don't think it's worth it chancing it and, and losing him uh, for the rest of the year and, and further injuring that elbow. I just think. Focus on getting him back in the lineup and batting and the effect that he has at the plate. Let's worry about that, and we'll deal with the elbow and everything else for next season. You know, so that right now is my concern. The Phil, I mean, the I, look, I've been telling you all season long, and not much has changed. When you ask me, the Phils are going to make the playoffs. It just all depends on who they're going to play in that wild card series and how good of a position are they going to give themselves. Can they at least put some heat on the Braves? They are seven games behind them at this moment. Six? Six games? Six games. There you go. There's math. They are six games behind the Braves at this point. So it's not un- like it's not uh, out of the realm of possibility that you could catch them. I've given like I've told you guys on here, I've given up on the Met stream of catching them. We had just put ourselves in too big of a hole in the beginning of the season to go and run them down, but I do believe they could run the Braves down. Uh, the Braves are a good team, but I just laid out how the schedule kind of works in our favor and how we could really start getting this thing going at a certain point. We shall see. Good thing also in our, our hunt for the playoffs, Tatis has been suspended for 80 games for a drug that he claims was used for ringworm or the recovery of ringworm. And other people are saying he's just using it to try and get back from his injury quicker, which he had, I believe he sustained a shoulder injury due to a motorcycle accident in the offseason. Uh, I mean, his teammates were all pissed. I mean, Clevenger came out and was shitting on him. And it just not doesn't look like a good situation out there in San Diego, and especially for a guy who's 22, 23 years old now, was seen, seemed to be the future of the league. I mean, he was on the cover of the MLB The Show. And they were going to build the marketing of the league around the young guys like that, making baseball fun again and everything. And here you go. He's going to miss this entire season and a, and a good chunk of the beginning of next season. Now, for baseball, that's not great. For the Phillies, this is awesome because now it's going to make us keeping the Padres below us a, a little bit easier. They obviously made some big moves there in the uh, at the deadline, getting Soto, getting, uh, getting Brandon Jury, but getting Josh Hader, but the Phillies, uh, like I just laid out, they have a good schedule, they have a good team, and, and I think I think we will be able to keep them below us, at, hopefully, and maybe we even run down the Braves. So good news for the Phillies, uh, bad news for the Padres in baseball, but it's, you know, another man's trash is another man's treasure.
So let's keep it moving quickly while we are here. Let's just get into a little bit of Eagles, a little bit of Birds talk. Uh, I'm not going to waste too much time talking about the preseason. I will just say I thought Jalen Hurts looked good in his one to two series that he was able to be out there for. Uh, I thought he looked good in the pocket. Uh, I thought he looked confident. I mean, six of six, 80 yards, one touchdown. He, he didn't really run necessarily. I mean, the one play he did run on uh, was a penalty. And he, I mean, he got, that was a dirty ass hit. Sirianni's like, are you, that's fucking bullshit. Are you kidding me? I mean, it was, that shit is extremely frustrating, but that's the dangers of preseason football. That's the dangers of football in general. It's a, not a easy game to play. And and, I mean, um, thankfully he's not hurt. And now you understand why people say, well, maybe we shouldn't play them. There are benefits to getting live reps, live action, and just getting some work out there on the field in a real live game-like setting because you can replicate it as much as you want in practice and whatnot, but it's not, there's nothing like the real-ish thing because I understand when I say there's nothing like the real thing, you will say, well, preseason is not the real thing. Well, it's as about as close as you can get before the regular season, and once you get to the regular season, you can't you know work out the kinks then or... Uh, you know, you can't afford to just throw a game away against the Lions week one. So you want them to be as sharp as possible. I like them getting the work in here. Who knows if we will see them, the starters that is in this Browns game on Sunday. Uh, do I really, I mean, I'm sure he probably won't. If he plays them, it'll be a very minimal time. Deshaun Watson, again, like we're playing the Browns. Of course, we're in Cleveland now uh, for this whole situation where, Watson's suspension was originally six games. It's been moved to 11 games by the NFL. Uh, they originally brought in a an arbiter of some sort, a, a, a former federal judge. She looked at the case, looked at all the different accusations and whatnot, and due to the fact that they weren't violent, uh, they weren't deemed violent, uh, I should say, she gave him a six-game suspension. The NFL said, fuck no, we're not doing that. They gave him 11, 11 game suspension and $5 million. People are still upset with that ruling, and I don't blame them. I mean, I don't think there is a punishment appropriate enough for Deshaun Watson other than seemingly going to jail because what what he was accused of and and what has come out about him is just not good. He continues to maintain his innocence. Uh, I mean, there was a time when the Eagles were talk about getting Deshaun Watson or into the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes. And, uh, I mean, although he is a great player and he would be a great addition to anyone's football team, you cannot really separate the two things of his, the the guy and the football player. And especially when you're the quarterback, it's not something you can exactly look past or, or just kind of brush under the rug. So now he won't be back until his week 13 uh, because, you know, 11 games and a bye. And he'll be back for the Houston game, of course. In Houston, I believe. Which will be on December 4th. I mean, listen, it th- doesn't that seem about as uh, WWE-ish as it possibly can imagine? That uh, a very peculiar number, uh, that 11 games is the, is the choice for his suspension. Not 10, not 12, but 11. Right there in that middle, uh, an odd number. So that he's back for that Houston game, so that they can run the run the TV numbers up and oh look, look create a, a nice spectacle around that. What's what's his first game going to be like? 
back in Houston, you know, oh, what are the fans going to treat him like? What's the what's the talk going to be about? Uh, is he going to answer questions and yada 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 yada? All the nonsense that will surround that game will be just it'll be so done with it and just will be so happy for it to all be over. But I mean, at some point, this guy's going to have to come back. He's going to have to play football. He signed a five-year, $230 million guaranteed contract. So you, you, he's not going away anytime soon. And once this 11-game suspension is over, it seems like he'll be here to stay. And, and I know a lot of people aren't going to be happy about that, rightfully so. But it, uh, I hate to say it, but it is what it is. He will be back. And he'll be back uh, a part of the conversation in the NFL. And I think the Browns... Unless they make a move, I don't know if Jacoby Brissett can keep the the ship afloat for half of a season, um, more than half of a season, I should say, and, and keep the Browns in playoff position in a division that's not exactly the easiest with the Steelers, Ravens, and Cincinnati in your division. I mean, Cincinnati's probably the best team, but those other two teams, no joke either. So good luck to the Cleveland Browns while keeping that going. I mean, I, I imagine. They knew something like this was going to happen. I just uh, don't think they thought once they had that six games, they thought they were probably going to get out of there and be happy about it. This was an agreement between the NFLPA and the NFL, so it was kind of a settlement sort of thing. So I imagine the NFL was looking for a full season and Deshaun Watson and his representation was looking for something closer to that six game. So it seems like they were able to meet somewhere in the middle there. And there you go. So Deshaun Watson will miss the first 11 games of this season. And soon we'll be doing a little bit of a NFL preview. I'll be having some different guests on, some fantasy football stuff, some college football stuff, some picks, some predictions, some futures, all sorts of stuff coming up here, ladies and gentlemen, within the next few weeks on the Hot Take Hot Box. Again, thank you for joining me as always. I love you guys, and I appreciate every listen that I get. Thank you again, as always, for listening. This has been Matt McSweeney, and this is the Hot Take Hotbox.